support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Kyle Photography Podcast. most important thing for me with these podcasts is to make sure that people find new work that that they're going to enjoy. I think it's important for all photographers to be expanding their uh, repertoire of influences and just learning as much as possible and to look at as much photography as possible um, rather than limit themselves to just a few options. So let's start off with how you define yourself as a photographer. Uh, How I define myself as a photographer, I would say... uh... I'm somebody that ventures forth, kind of places myself in a location with an intentionality to take pictures there. And then I just sort of, I poke around sometimes, you know, uh, not legally um, with my camera. And I, I, I try to view my, hmm, the, the picture frame as a, um, it, it's like it's its own, the, 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 con, the, uh, the confines of that, uh, of the frame or that's my space to arrange things in. And I think that's, the type of photographer I am is somebody that really enjoys composition, you know, with color, um, with elements, um, and with light. Um, and I do all of that, uh, on film, especially medium format. Do you find yourself being confined to a particular genre or do you, do you like to kind of do lots of crossing over? I I would say that I'm, I'm pushing myself to cross over. I would really like to, um, become much more comfortable taking street portraits that really, really, interests me because it involves forming a connection with other people, which I enjoy doing. And, and to do that within the camera coming into play as well, like that, that really interests me. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that, if, yeah, if I was to fall into a category, maybe it would just be, uh, the Americana and architecture and, uh, street scenes, um, which is a fairly vast, you know, definition, I suppose. But, um, I like to surprise myself when I make a composition that, you know, and I look at it and I think, well, it doesn't look like anything I've shot before. You know, that was a little abstract. So, um, you know, I just, whatever I find, you know, I'll, I'll try. Um, it's really just about whatever I find, not, not trying to stick to any one style, you know. In terms of composition, what, are your, what do you prioritize when you're first finding a scene? How do you know when you found the scene? Are you looking at color first or repetition? Do you have a particular subject that you go out on a, on a specific day to photograph or do you just go out camera in hand and just see what grabs your attention? I like that question. I mean, if I were to narrow it down, I suppose probably the latter. Um, but usually it's that I've had an inspiration or an idea about a, a location. Um, and that, that will be kind of the, uh, the grounding point for like maybe the beginning of a, an expedition. And, um, if you will, you know, like the other day it was just the, on the South side of town, kind of a bad part of town, but I knew there was a, an, an abandoned bus depot. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start there and see what I find. And, um, I, I don't think I even took one picture of the bus depot. I ended up like, you know, off across the street in some like abandoned car lot. But, um, you know, I, I think that probably the thing that I'm first looking for is light, um, like quality of light, uh, texture and color. Um, and you know, the, the, the use of light probably grounds the the whole composition and I won't be, I won't be much interested in creating something in a scene if, if the light doesn't, uh, really appeal to me, you know, um, either through the shape of the light or like I said, the color or the texture of it. Something I love about your work is the images of classic cars. 
I feel like that's something you must specifically go out with like a designated idea that you're going to go and find these cars. Or is it just literally that you ha- it's happenstance that you have your camera and you just come across the cars in in your daily movement? <laughs> I, I So thank you, first of all. And I, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I have to like confess that I spend a lot more energy than I probably should restraining myself from shooting uh, just cars all the time because I, I really, really love taking pictures of cars. Um, um, because I, do, I, I love cars outside of photography. One of my hobbies is, is motorsports, but, um, the, um, cars just, I, I love capturing the character of them and then also the details. But, um, yes, to answer your question, that is one thing that I will be very intentional about because I'll be, um, sort of like scouting at all times. Um, you know, maybe I'm driving home from work and I see a, uh, like, you know, some like 1967 Camaro or something on a, um, on a side street. And it's just like, okay, now I know where that car lives. I'll be back, you know, and I'll come back at golden hour, you know, bring, uh, bring whatever I need for that particular shot and, um, you know, kind of stake it out and, and make a, you know, I'll make a study of it. Um, so in cars, yeah, yeah. You kind of got me there. That, that is one area I'm very, very intentional about. And, um, I do love finding new cars and capturing them. You mentioned restraining yourself. Why do you feel the need to restrain yourself? Why is it something you don't want to do too much of? Uh, you know, I, now that you say that, I, I don't know really, but I, I think probably because there, there, it's it's a bit of a trope, um, and I don't I don't necessarily mind that because you know if you get right down to it, just about everything is a is a is a cliche. Right? I mean, everything's been done. Everybody's taken a picture of something before. Um, and it's it's just about finding you know your way and um, you know on that particular day and there's all that. Um, I think, I think it's because as an artist, uh, with, as a photographer, I, I, um, I'm trying to find new ways to, to say something that more emotional with my work, you know, to convey, um, something that really feels. And, um, and as much as I love cars as a, uh, as an object, um, and as a uh, subject matter, I uh, I don't know if uh, that's the the place where I'm going to find you know uh, that next dimension of, of photography for myself you know um, but that being said I mean I I, I shot two rolls of Porsche 400 on um, what was it Saturday <laughs> um, on like you know five different cars that I, that I came across in a, in a part of town I hadn't been before. I mean, one of the things I'm trying to do, I wrote my notes out earlier today, and I feel like there's a really interesting crossover from subject to just your general preference in terms of aesthetics. And I'm trying to find the right place because there's so many different ways I could link this across because I think it's it's going to end up being almost a triangle of of subjects. But you, you obviously like photographing cars that look like they have history. You don't photograph new cars, you photograph cars that are classic whether that be in everybody's eyes that they're classic, they're, they're older cars. Um, a lot of your architectural work is about showing the age of the building and the design period that we're not currently in. Do you dislike modern world aesthetic, generally speaking? Short answer, yes. <laughs> yes, especially, especially with automobiles. I think, uh, if you don't mind me being long-winded... Please do. I was enjoying very much your um, episode with uh, Kyle McDougall. He's a photographer I really admire and, um, and appreciate a lot. 
And I'm, uh, I will say I'm a little bit flattered to uh, be on the same uh, uh, podcast that he was on. Um, but uh, anyway, enough um, of that. But, um, you know, you all were getting into it about like, you know, is it really necessary for us to evolve? Um, you know, do we really need to be constantly taking these next steps with like technology? Um, mm-hmm. And um, and I do feel that way about about vehicles, about buildings, about design in general. Um, that um, I, I don't know if the direction a lot of these things go in is is beneficial or is um, intentional enough. Um, and um, and I um, I disregard it. You know, I, I mean, I see like a um, a late model car, and I just like I'm like, no, I don't think that that is progress. You know, I think that's yeah. progress for progress's sake, and I don't see uh, that having um, the lasting Im- impact that a car from you know maybe like a three series BMW from 20 years ago, you know, which is timeless design, um, you know, has today, um, probably more so with vehicles than with buildings, but absolutely with buildings as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think that's a very accurate read, uh, that you've gotten there. So I find generally speaking that the more and more we, um, I'll just to coin your word, the more and more we evolve, we move more and more away from art in favor of function. And the problem is, is that function is always going to be quite minimalist and it's always going to be incredibly boring. The part about old fashioned American cars is the fact that most of what you were looking at wasn't necessary, but damn, was it cool? Did it look, it looked amazing. It made the person driving it feel amazing. It made people turn their heads and look. And I think architecture was very similar. Like the more and more we evolve, the more and more we're going to end up just in cars that look like crash test dummy ideals and buildings that are just blocks. There's, there's not much art left in all of it. No, I, 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 I would have to say, I really agree with that. And that's, it's well put. And, um, I, I think that's it. Like that's, it's really probably the core of it is that, um, um, this overvaluing of the, uh, the practical or, or, or it's the art, it's the, it's the devaluing of the tangible and the, and the artistic and, you know, like you said with the American car, it's like, yeah, I mean, most, n- none of that is, is necessary. I mean, the amount of sheet metal that like encases that thing. I mean, you take, you know, the body off and there's nothing much uh, there. Um, but it's, um, it's an, it, that's an intangible thing, right? And it's, it's just interesting to me that we, uh, we seem to have moved beyond that. And I, I'm wondering, I'm like, I'm, I wonder, like, why? Like, when did, you know, um, who agreed to this? <laughs> you know, why, why yeah. are we at this point? Yeah, yeah. I think it's almost like there feels like there's an academic influence where we are just refining and refining and refining and refining. And the people that are coming out of design colleges and universities are just people that are being taught how to get the absolute most function with the least design effort possible. Yep. Um, not to make things depressing. No, 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 not at all. I, I, I think, you know, probably though it comes around... Um, it comes around to us, you know, maybe, maybe we're not, we're not asking for it. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not demanding these things anymore. Maybe, you know, as consumers, we've gotten complacent mm. because, or, or just, or just the, yeah, I mean, not, not to get really depressing, but, but, but maybe like as a species or as a society, we, you know, we, we, we've lost touch with something, you know, I, not, maybe not everybody has to give as much of a damn about cars as I do. Um, and you know, you notice I'm making this a bit of a theme, but I do really like cars. But I, you know, I look at somebody driving something. And I'm like, why did you buy that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not judging. I'm just like, that is that is a piece of crap. Like that does not. That looks terrible. Um, that is that. And why did somebody make that? And um, you know, objectively, that is that's just there's there, there's no art in that. And um, 
anyway, happily, I think, you know, you know, maybe not to draw it back too quickly to film or anything, but I think I'm seeing a resurgence in that. I think that um, film photography, I think um, uh, vinyl records, uh, hobby of mine, um, are having major resurgences as like this, like, uh, um, like reaction, you know, this like almost violent reaction, like to return to something that like, you know, had more form um, and, um, and had more feel, you know, to it, you know, there's like this craving for that. Um, well, we've had so much progress with, we've had so much progress with technology in the space of a hundred years, which really is a thimble in the ocean in terms of time that we seem to think that anything that's more than five years old is completely worthless. And to go back to a medium that was being used 20 years ago is just complete regression. When in actual fact, I think I talked to Carl McDougall about this on the podcast you're mentioning, but I've definitely talked with it, talked about it with someone in that it's not a case of something being better than something else. It's just the process and the result are different and it will suit different personalities in different ways. And I think a lot of people are finding film currently for a, an incredible amount of variables. You know, there's there's the problem with digital camera manufacturers bringing out new models within months of each other, which makes people feel like shit for the money that they're laying out on cameras. Plus, also, I think people are growing up and they're realizing that photography is not supposed to be just instantly gratifying. Sometimes the graft and the process is what makes you sort of love it more. Well, I would have to say I, I completely agree with that, um, and that especially that last that last statement. Um, and what's 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 funny about like many of these topics is that if, if to try to justify it like in some kind of argument would would sound like I don't even know how to how I would defend it. You know, it's like, yes, I, for whatever reason, I prefer the most inconvenient and expensive means of taking a photograph that I, I can uh, get. And, um, and sometimes, you know, I have to wait days to see the image I've, I've just captured. Uh, and, you know, on paper, somebody would be like, why would you want that? You know? Um, yeah. And uh, I can't, I can't really, I mean, I could, I could explain, I could explain the length why I do, I prefer that, but um, it is, it is interesting. And, um, well, let's start off with the process. Let's, let's, let's not talk about the result, but let's talk about the process. What is it about the actual process of taking film photos? I guess the question would be, what does it do for you, the actual process? I would say that it is, it is, it is that, the process of film, that is wholly responsible for my photography today. I would have to give you some, some history. Yep. The history is that I, I started taking pictures when I was 12 years old. I was lucky enough to go to a school that had a dark room and I took a photography class and, um, you know, shot black and white. It was an old, I think it was a, a Pentax. Can't tell you which one, but I had an old Pentax and, uh, you know, yeah, I, was, I was using an enlarger and making black and white eight by tens. And it was, it was just great. And I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. And I think I was, I was pretty good at it at that age. And, um, went on to get my own camera. I start. I went to these, I grew up outside New York city and, you know, I went to these like Nikon film seminars you know, I was like the youngest person there. And, uh, you know, photography was a real thing for me. And, um, and I, I moved away from it and there was kind of, there's a pretty big gap in my, uh, picture making, uh, history, but I would, I would try to reconnect to photography with digital cameras. Um, you know, either ones that I'd bought or borrowed. And I just, I just, I had this sensation that like, I had lost touch with photography or that like, you know, I just wasn't, it just wasn't there for me anymore. 
um, you know, because I, I just I couldn't find myself back in that place where I would just be in the world with a camera and then just really, really focused and like very in the moment of like creating uh, an image. Mm-hmm. What happened for me is I got I got and this I'm, I'm answering the question at this point. Uh, sorry to ramble, but um, I on a whim went to this antique store. And they had a whole shelf of uh, film cameras. And I thought, my first thought was, like, well, you know, that's how the hell would I even begin to, to do film? I'm like, do they even make film? And, you know, how would I develop it and all this? And I was like, well, whatever, I just bought one. And I started shooting pictures with film. And it was like, the, the testament I would give is that, like, immediately I was launched right back into that place where... Um, the creation of an image was like this almost sacred act because what I was, you know, the, all of the movements I had to make to arrange that frame, um, to contain the things I wanted to contain exactly the way that I wanted it to, you know, and then to like release the, uh, the shutter button and expose, uh, that image, like that whole thing. It's like this, um, you're creating something that exists right away. You know, it's like this physical thing. And like, there's, there's almost like this responsibility I, I, I feel in that, you know, like I'm not just going to blaze through a whole roll of film without putting quite a bit of thought and effort into it. And, um, and that's all it is for me. It's just, it's that intentionality that is demanded by, by film because I'm, I'm, I'm creating something on in the physical plane. The minute I press that shutter button, and, um, and that's the kind of, that for me, that's the piece that's needed. I don't, I don't know why that is. I, I probably need to examine that more, but I will say that if you put a digital camera in my hands in the same spot, I just, you know, I'm sure I could create good images, but I just wouldn't feel the same sort of, um, deep, like in the moment, um, you know, connection to the whole process. Um, so it's just interesting. It's like it, everything changed the minute I, I went back into film. You know, boom, there it is. And then, in terms of the result, what you know, do you see a tremendous amount of difference between film images and digital images, especially considering the way that we consume most of our photography is on screens now? T- to you, does it make a lot of difference in terms of, let's say, the people that you're following and the people's whose work that you are inspired by, do they have to be a film photographer for you to be inspired by them? Uh, that's, I, lo- I really like that question. Um, I, I, would, I would not say necessarily, although if you were to take an inventory of my uh, Instagram followers, you'd probably find that the majority of them are film photographers uh, because it's a bit of, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty nice, it's, it's a nice community. It's, it's very friendly, very welcoming. Um, you know, people kind of look out for each other a little bit in it, but, um, I think that mostly for me, it's that the, the prevailing aesthetic in film, um, at least, you know, like, and, and by in film, I, I really mean like, you know, on Instagram, um, but in like the daily public film thing is, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a little softer colors, um, softer contrast, overexposure, uh, street scenes. Um, and that appeals to me. Um, I find just in a very, very general sense, like no offense to anybody out there, but that, you know, a lot of the the digital work I see tends to have like more intense saturation, more intense contrast, um, a little bit more of a heavier hand in the editing, 
um, which I don't mind. I'm not opposed to editing at all. I edit all of my work, but um, I just noticed there's just kind of the two in a very broad sense, like um, aesthetic camps. And I, I just personally align better with the film when I just like that softer look, um, which is probably the reason I pick film um, to follow. Well, there's something quite fascinating, really, with the current state of digital photography, because we've got an arms race between about three different companies to make cameras as idiot proof as possible and to produce as much detail as possible. And then you've got the the end result of that is a bunch of photographers. And I'm I'm being incredibly, uh, I'm using this in a pejorative way, so I probably shouldn't, but I am a digital photographer. So at least I'm part of the people I'm castigating. They take this this item, this this product that they've bought that takes the pictures for them essentially and has an incredibly high level of detail. And then they spend additional money to buy presets to make it look as much like film as possible. And there's just a, an incredible irony to all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that 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 actually is one of the things that um I find it it's it's delightful to me that um technology, I mean, Portra, whatever that stock was introduced 20 something years ago, you know, this, this simple, simple technology uh, can create something. And then in the digital realm, there'll be all of this time and effort applied to like, you know, almost like degrade their image in a way that like gives it that sort of look. And it's like, well, it, Again, I'm not I'm not knocking it, but it is it is it is interesting to me. It it really brings in my mind us back to something you and I were talking about earlier, which is just that like this that progress for progress sake, why are we going and why sort of thing? Because it's like, well, we had we had portrait 20 years ago, you know. So why why yeah. um why which I don't even how many megapixels does a digital, you know, camera what are we talking about now? Like about 30 seems to be the average. Okay, okay, yeah. So I mean but yeah, it's to each their own. To each their own. I mean, there's there's definitely there's definitely benefits to both. Um, and absolutely no doubt about that. But yeah, well, you don't you don't see a lot of people trying to find a way to make their film work look more digital. You 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 do you do bring up a good point there. They do not. <laughs> um, I mean, I could I, I could. I mean, if I you know in Lightroom, I could certainly. I mean, I I think for me that would just be you know turning up contrast, turning up saturation. Making it look like a wedding photo from two thousand three. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're if you see that that what I'm talking about. I just see it in the some of the digital work I I'm, I follow, where it, the sky is very heavy and the you know um, it doesn't have that light look. It's usually like a heavier, more intense uh, look. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, to be honest with you, I, I, so I'm I am a digital shooter. I, I work as a photographer. I use Sony, um, much to my um, behest. I wish I wasn't, but my wife, who works with me, insisted that we we move to Sony. And I spend most of my time when I'm working through the color in images, kind of fighting off color because there's so much saturation to the files that it feels almost like the raw file is like Harvey Weinstein, and I'm someone looking to promote their acting career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're in a good place for this. So let's let's talk about film stocks. What's your what's your go to film stocks? Oh, I'm so boring. It's Portra 400. Um, it's I just know it really well. Um, I I need to make a jump and try out Fuji 400H just to just to really give it a, a good go. But I, I'm very happy with Portra uh, 400 and 800. I, I use 800 too, but um, just works really well for me. Um, 
you know, a uh, bit of Ektar. Um, that's, that's great too. I, I like the way, I like the way that Ektar does green. Um, I don't like green. <laughs> I love green in my real, in the real world, uh, just as a shooter, I don't, I tend not to like it, especially with other colors involved. If it's just green alone, I'm pretty happy. But, um, anyway, um, yeah, Fortune 400. Okay. So, so pretty loaded question here then. So why do you hate black and white? <laughs> uh, I think you're putting words in my mouth. Putting words in my mouth. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. I uh, I don't hate black and white. I just love color. I um, I it's a, it's it's a it's a really integral part of the arrangement of each frame is is the position of color and the use of color and the presence of color. Um, and um, when I do shoot black and white, and I do, um, but notice I don't post it because it's not much good. Um, but when I do shoot black and white, I, um, I find myself like I, I've lost like this major element and I'm, I have to focus much more on like, uh, object and, um, and kind of using more like structural pieces, which is great. It's, it, it's a great challenge for me. Um, but I just find myself really missing the color. Um, anyway, and also that being said, I, um, I develop at home and C41. I'm very comfortable with. Um, I actually haven't developed black and white at home. Um, yeah, actually, I actually haven't developed black and white in 20 years. So um, maybe I should do that and then I'll start shooting some more black and white. We'll see. Well, you know, it's like you're reading my notes from where you are because my next question is why do you process your own film? <laughs> um, I think it's probably a personality thing. Um, you know, I'm the kind of, I'm just kind of guy that I change my own oil in my car, um, I fix all my own stuff in my car. Um, I just like, I like doing things myself. Um, it's, um, but because it's my art, um, for me, this is just for me, I, this is definitely not a a statement of judgment or anything, but for me, like I, um, it's very important to me that I retain ownership of it and control of it. And I just, um, I, I just, I just really enjoy knowing that I, um, that I'm taking care of it myself, basically. Like this is an in-house job. Um, and the other part of it is that I'm impatient and, you know, I shot, uh, I shot two rolls today. Uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, I went to the mountains, um, before we started the thing, I went to the mountains for the day and I, I shot some rolls and I can develop them tonight. And then tomorrow when they're dry, I will scan them and, you know, I've got them, you know, and that, you know, I can't really beat that. You know, that's much faster turnaround than any, any lab out there. Um, uh, that's a big part of it too. So let's talk about cameras then. What are you using in the way of cameras? Uh, my, my primary shooter is a Bernica ETRS. Uh, it's a medium format camera. Um, I use a 70 millimeter lens, uh, Zenzanon lens on there, which uh, that focal length uh, roughly translates to 50 millimeter on like a 35 millimeter camera. Uh, I also have a 150 lens for that. Uh, I don't use that a whole lot. But the, the Bernica, I mean, I, I use that. I mean, that's pretty much all day, every day. And then I also have a, uh, a Canon A1 and a Canon AE1 program. Uh, both of those get some use. Um, today I was I was hiking. I went and uh, you know climbed a mountain out in the Shenandoah uh, Mountains here in Virginia, and uh, I did not feel like carrying my um, you know whatever however heavy it is, but it's pretty heavy for Nike <laughs> around my neck all day. So I, I had the Canon uh, AE1 program with me. But that, that's that's re- that's really it. I've, um, a friend of mine gave me a uh, oh shoot, what's it called? Um, Argus. I forget. It's an Argus. It's from it's from like 1955. 
It's, it's wow. a brick. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to maybe some rolls through that. We'll see. Just just see how see how it goes. And what do you find? Um, do you find yourself shooting differently when you're shooting 35 mil compared to medium format? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Medium format works better for my eye because it, um, it you know, you've just got that much larger um, exposure area, so the detail is higher. And I think that I, I, I found that when I first got into medium format, uh, I, it was like. I felt like, oh, this is the thing I've been looking for because the camera sees what I see, um, or at right. least much, much cl- more closely than a 35 millimeter does. Um, and that's why medium format um, is my preference. My bank account doesn't like it, but it's my preference. <laughs> but uh, but th- you know, 35 millimeter has a place, and you know, um, there, you know, just 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 switching back to the the Canon eighty uh, one program today for the first time in months, you know, I was just reminded how enjoyable it is. You know, yeah, it's a much smaller camera. It almost felt like having a point and shoot. Um, you know, that I've got thirty six exposures to play with. So suddenly, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a picture of that stick. Why not? You know, I'm not um, I'm not counting my dollars every time I squeeze the uh, the shutter. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just I just love the detail, you know, medium format. I just you just can't beat that for me. Well, so I started off um, when I started photography, which was about seven years ago now. Uh, my friend who ran a studio had an old Canon AE one lying around on like a display shelf, and after getting to know him well enough that I could be obnoxious enough to do it, I actually asked him if I could have it um, because I wanted to learn to to shoot film, and uh, I shot about 20 rolls of film through it did okay i literally popped into like the most cheap place i could find that would do like one hour film processing and it came back as uh as expected for someone that's just learning on the spot um but i remember just enjoying the process of it so much that actually since the lockdown i decided to stop learning uh, one thing i wanted to come out of lockdown with was at least a, a sign of progress in, in myself as a person and so the podcast has obviously taken off quite significantly in being able to talk to people around the world. But also I taught myself how to develop film so far, only black and white film. And so far it seems to be going okay. But, um, it also reignited my problem with when I go on eBay, I suddenly find a million things I want to purchase. And, uh, I'm, I'm now awaiting the arrival of a Canon AE1 and a Canon A1. So I guess there's just a very interesting, uh, parallel there between us. Oh, that's fantastic! I was I was actually going to ask you if you um, if, if you messed around much with uh, with film, and if so, with what? Um, that's like kind of a counter question, but uh, I think you just preempted that. Well, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I've got so far in in terms of this little journey that I've been on for all of a week, where I've actually taken it seriously. Um, so, a friend of mine, very good friend, has this is going to sound like the biggest load of bullshit ever, but essentially, uh, a friend of mine owns a, a couple of Hasselblad. 500 cm so he's lent me one with 150 mil lens to get to know medium format um film with and i've been shooting rolls upon rolls upon rolls of hp5 through that to kind of get used to using it as a camera because the process is kind of crazy and then i'll have some stuff to actually learn to develop when i get back and i had previously photographed about 25 rolls of HP5 or Delta 3200 when I was in uh, Nevada photographing the desert and, and, and in Vegas and whatnot. And it's just sat for four years in a cupboard undeveloped. 
So I've used those as practice roles and I've actually been quite stunned at the fact that I've only botched one role so far and it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'd say that's pretty good going, honestly. And, uh, you know, also just the joy of developing uh, roles that have been left dormant. You know, it's what a nice surprise, you know, because I'm sure you have no idea what's going to be on there. No, it's kind of like it's kind of like blacking out and then finding a video in your phone that tells you how, how <laughs> what you were up to. It's basically I found a I found like an insight into what I was doing in 2016, which is kind of crazy. Well, I was going to say I was like, but you know, probably with less incriminating um, things going on. But then you said it's Vegas, so now I'm not so sure. <laughs> oh, I'm pl- I'm too boring to to take Vegas to its limits for sure. <laughs> All right, so let, let's just talk about Virginia for a bit. What's it like as a subject? Um, great, great question. Um, so I'm I'm a bit of a evangelist for uh, where I live. I, I live in Richmond, Virginia. Richmond's the capital, um, and I love this city. Uh, I really do. I moved here from Brooklyn uh, seven years ago, um, and I would say that you know uh, there's two answers to that question. I mean, uh, Vir- you know, Virginia as a subject is just pretty pretty vast because I I really enjoy shooting landscapes and I like. Um, I like rural things. I like finding weird things. I like shooting pictures of, you know, farm equipment. And, you know, Virginia has pretty wide expanses of, um, of all of that. Um, so as a, as a, if I was to combine, if I was to confine my photo, to, photographic journey to the state of Virginia, I could probably be more than happy with a lifetime here. Um, you know, we've got, we've got the, uh, we've got the ocean front, we've got the mountains, uh, all sorts of cool rural crap in the middle. Um, you know, Washington DC is, you know, an hour and a half from where I live. And that's, that's a, this great city. Um, and then, and then Richmond's, which is, if you, if you follow my work at all, is very, very prevalent in my work. Um, Richmond is just a gold mine. I mean, a, a treasure trove for, for photography really, because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it was the capital of the Confederacy during the civil war. So the old city, uh, beautiful architecture. Um, but then it's also it fell into disrepair, and it you know it's an indus- it was an industrial sort of area, and a lot of that fell in disrepair. So you got all these great old warehouses and decrepit buildings, some of which are being restored. Um, just a huge range of architecture, um, and then lots of um, every every block in the city is crisscrossed by an alley. So you know, just I'll just go out and wander these alleys and just find the damnedest stuff back there. You know, like you know, like a jet ski just sitting um, in somebody's backyard. You know, just random things like that. Oh yeah, I've seen that picture. That's an incredible shot. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was trying to work out what on earth was going on in that picture. I was like, why is there a jet ski in a field? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you'd actually be surprised how many jet skis you find in fields if you really go looking. <laughs> um, I could probably do like a, a little. I could do a zine, you know. Uh, yeah, literally. Okay, so you mentioned DC. Now, back in February, I went to DC for the first time. It was either late January or early February. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, and I wasn't expecting much, if I'm honest, because uh, we went there for a few days. And when I say I wasn't expecting much, I'm not trying to belittle the, the city, but I just, I, I didn't do much research into it coming in. Um, my wife's um, you, your most standard tourist ever. She, she's the one that's got the map. And you know, if you just imagine a cartoon tourist, that's my wife. She loves it. It's, it's her favorite thing in the world. I was staggered with how much I enjoyed Washington, D.C., how much of a great place it is and yeah. how friendly the people were. Um, 
Also quite surprised, if I'm completely honest, and we are not going political on this podcast at any point ever, but I was quite surprised at how calm it was for a, for a city in a country that never seems to stop panicking over its politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you, you, it, it's, um, I can attest because I'm, I'm up there. Well, I'm not now because of, you know, COVID-19 and all this, but um, I, I go up there a lot uh, because I'm a museum hound and there's great museums up there. And um, Absolutely. You'd never know. Yeah, you would never know that, that Donald Trump... I mean, sorry, we're, no, sorry, I'm not going to... I accidentally almost was going to say something political. We won't go political. Sorry for the thing. But, but you, yeah, to your point, you would not know that all this, you know, rigmarole is going on. Um, you know, you, if you dropped me there and didn't tell me, I would just think, man, there's a huge diversity of, you know, culture here. Um, it's very yeah. friendly. It's, it's clean, very clean for an American city. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's friendly, great food, lots of museums, like, you know, that's not to like. Exactly. It's, it's, um, it was a lot of fun as far as street photography goes. I had a couple of places I had to go to and hang out. And one was, uh, Ollie's Trolley. Um, I wanted to go and hang out there cause I love the signs and there's a little burger sure. place there. That's really nice. Yeah. And I wanted to get some pictures of tourists at the Lincoln Memorial because I just, <laughs> I, I, we went there the first day and I was like, I was amazed at how not how cool it was, how nice of a place it is, and what an interesting basically what an interesting walk it is. And then I just I became fascinated with the conduct of some of the tourists. I mean, you get like high school kids doing their TikTok videos in front of Lincoln, and I just think, what has happened to us as a race? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't even get me started. But yeah, no, yeah. Let's talk about Richmond. Let's 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 leave. Let's leave Trump up behind and talk about Richmond. Um, what's the attitude to you walking around with your camera like? Do you ever have any problems in in your hometown photographing it? Oh, I love that you asked that question uh, because I think that that um, goes hand in hand with something I alluded to earlier, which is sometimes poking my my um, myself into places you know maybe I shouldn't. And I'm not you know going on the record and admitting trespassing. I'm not really. I'm not like that, but. You know, I um, you know, I'm not afraid to kind of, you know, um, if there, if I see a shot, you know, uh, you know, step into somebody's uh, backyard maybe really quick or something. Um, so I found something interesting, um, and this actually, uh, despite your best effort, is going to be um, a political statement, but not really. Um, <laughs> when when I venture outside of the city into like the the immediate surrounding areas. Um, those areas, by and large, are like much more uh, conservative politically. Um, and it is whenever I'm in those areas taking photographs that I find people. Um, in fact, the only like defensive um, interactions I've had with people towards my photography has occurred in those areas. Um, and you know, they'll be like, "What are you doing? What are you doing here?" And I, I'm like, "Oh, I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm just just taking photographs. I uh, I like your car." Yeah, you know, I'm not like on their property or anything, right? You know, and I'm just like, you know, you know, do you mind if I take a photograph of it? And they're like, you know, I'll get, I'll get interrogated, and it's usually very like standoffish. Um, so that 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 part always amuses me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge them that. I mean, it's it's fine if, if I'm not welcome, I'm not welcome. But um, but then when I'm in the city proper, um, which is a much more diverse and uh, you know, it's pretty laid back, um, you know, liberal, uh, place. Um, <laughs> generally, um, I'm really well received, you know, it's a conversation starter and, you know, people are, um, you know, I was, I was photographing, um, uh, what was it? It was a, uh, 
it was, it was a BMW M6. Um, it's an E24. So it was like from the, uh, you know, I mean, late seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm, I'm shooting this car and I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on like, I'm on hands and knees, basically like getting an angle in it. And uh, a guy comes out of his house and just talks to me about his car for a while. You know, it's like, it wasn't like a big deal. It's just like shooting his car and he was kind of, kind of pumped about it, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say that. And um, for me, I completely change when I've got a camera around my neck. Um, you know, I uh, walking in the street with a camera around my neck, I just feel like very empowered, you know, and very, um, very complete. And mm-hmm. I love, I love meeting people with a camera. And it's not even to take their photograph, but just to like, you know, like, um, you know, like people love to start a conversation because they can tell it's an old camera. You know, they can tell it's it's not like a digital uh, camera. Um, and you know, they'll ask me like, "Why are you shooting film? What's the deal? Like, you know, why why are you taking pictures with that puddle? You know, <laughs> whatever." Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just love that. I, I love the I love the interactions that happen around photography. So something I've always been kind of interested by is is the 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 knowledge of your subject and how much that feeds into the quality of your photos because as someone that photographs female models if i'm completely honest most of the time i don't have a fucking clue what they're thinking but every so often it seems to work out okay when it comes to the city that you're photographing you live there you see it every you know you see it i am assuming every day or at least fairly regularly do your photos improve as you get to know the space better or is it something where it's you could go to say I don't know. You could head to LA and you might just have the best day shooting on the first day there and then struggle from then on. I've surprised myself. I think I'm fairly versatile and I, it's actually one of the things I really like about my process is like going to a new place and just being immediately challenged by like kind of, kind of, um, finding my style in that place. Um, but I find that like, yeah, to, you know, the, the repetition of, of certain things has made me much better at them. And I think that's only because I've having shot them before, you know, I know what they're going to look like. So I, I'm, I just kind of know what's going to work once, you know, the role finally, you know, gets scanned and I, I, I get to finally see it, you know? Um, and I think that probably arc, my photography with architecture has probably improved the most from that. Um, because it's, um, it's a lot harder than I would, than you would think, I think at first glance to take a really interesting picture of a building, you know, so many times I've like, you know, thought, man, this is just, this is going to be fire. This stuff is just going to be great. I can't wait to get it back. And then I get, you know, I, uh, you know, scan my roll, uh, and after, you know, it's dried and I look at it, I'm like, wow, these are really boring, <laughs> you know? Um, right. so probably, probably just, just that has really informed my, you know, how I view angles and, and and all that kind of thing. Is there anywhere on your bucket list that you want to go and photograph? Is there like a city that you'd love to visit or just something that you haven't yet had the chance to do that when people are actually allowed to get on planes again and go places that you'd like to head to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because it's almost like at this point becoming like, uh, you know, fantasies. Um, <laughs> I, I, the two places I'm probably most excited to go visit and I'm planning to go visit would be uh, Tokyo or Berlin. Um, and both of those are high on my list just culturally. I just want to go as a tourist. You know, I'm maybe, I'm maybe somewhere between you and your wife in terms of where I fall on that spectrum. But um, 
I, I really like urban photography. I like angles. Um, I like buildings and cars and things and, you know, um, yeah. So both those appeal to me, um, is, is both, you know, to, to photograph culture, but then just to, you know, I'm sure there's just gonna be like a completely endless supply of, of angles to photograph. But all that being said, um, I'm also, I just, I just absolutely love the American West. Um, I just, this country, um, it's just, it's vast and it's, it's really weird. <laughs> you know, there's just, there's just so many layers to it. And, um, you know, the few times that I've been out in like the West, like proper, like the West, um, you know, it's just mind blowingly huge and the colors and it's just like, you know, you just get out there and, you know, like Zion national park in Southern Utah or whatever. And it's, um, the grand Canyon. And I have not, I've not gone to those places as a photographer, you know, I've taken pictures that I've not gone with like, you know, camera bag rolls of film. And I think that I probably owe myself that I'd really like to go out there. So probably that's, that's probably what's coming up next. Once all this quarantine stuff. I'm a hundred percent on board with you on the American West. I um, had the opportunity to photograph Yosemite a few years ago. Uh, and if it wasn't for that, well, if it wasn't for the fact that I was suffering from the most horrendous food poisoning, I'm sure I would have had a great time. But there is actually <laughs> one place I'd, re- I'd really love to see you photograph because obviously I'm a fan of your style. I'm a fan of your work. And I think there's a city that I'd really love to see what you got from it. And that's uh, Bruges in Belgium. Uh, now I will <laughs> warn you now. I've been there multiple times. Have you really? I have. Ah, man. I thought I was being all clever. No, no, no. I want, I want you to finish that thought because the reason I've been there has absolutely nothing to do with photography. Well, I, I, think it's the, I think it's the most beautiful city in Europe that I've visited. And I've, I've gotten about, I, as, as I probably shouldn't say, I have gotten about and it is a place I'm madly in love with. But the reason I'd love to see you photograph is because I feel like it would restrict you, but you have, I don't know, I feel like your preferences would restrict you, but your ability would make you create some amazing photos. And I think compositionally, it'd be very interesting to see what you did with it. Wow. Uh, well, yeah, I, you know, if I'm going to go to Berlin, it wouldn't, it's just a hop, skip and a jump to, to head over to Belgium. So, uh, you know, I might have to, uh, I mean, you, you've almost dared me at this point, you know. Pretty much. I'm, I'm, I am pretty much daring you, yeah. I, so what if um, if I can uh, jump in the driver's seat, what what stylistically do you see in, in work of mine that I've got like online um, that would say, you know, Bruges would be a challenge here? Uh, I, I'm just genuinely very interested in that. Well, I think that if you take the Americana part of what you do, that's a really hard thing to chase down in Europe. As, well, especially mainland Europe, because with such a restricted amount of space and such a growing population, nowhere's really left desolate for very long. I mean, I'm in the UK, nothing is left abandoned, everything is immediately paved over and, and something else is built. Um, and I think Bruges is one of the last places that really wears its history on its, on its, you know, it's so proud of its history, it's so protective of its history. But I think it would take away your ability to photograph cars because there's basically none there. <laughs> and I think in terms of you photograph a lot of standalone architecture, or at least the feeling that I get from the images is that there's a lot of standalone architecture, whereas Bruges is a very conjoined city. So I think it would be fascinating to see how you recompose, considering everything seems to be interacting with everything else, as opposed to American, especially the stuff that you shoot, Americana. It's very standalone 
um, elements surrounded by a, a fairly decent degree of negative space. I'd say you just about nailed it. That's a great, that's uh, challenge accepted. Um, and that's a great answer. So thank you. And I appreciate that. It's, a, it's a good job. I've, I've done my research and I actually wasn't just doing a Howard Stern <laughs> interview where I've read three lines of your Wikipedia and I think I know everything about you. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I think the one thing I, I do want to ask everybody on these podcasts, and I've maybe been a little bit um, negligent with this, but how are you? How have you used? I mean, I don't know how restricted you've been by the lockdown or by the sort of COVID situation, but how have you used this time to sort of reflect and plan your next steps? I guess as a photographer, I would. I would probably the operative word there is time. Um, you know, photography unfortunately is not my day job. Uh, I would love for it to be, but it's not. Um, but the, the, the landscape we're in now, um, you know, I don't have to make any excuses. I don't have to push anything off. I don't have to rearrange anything. I, I just, you know, when I, when I'm, when I'm done with work for the day, I have unfettered time and, um, you know, yeah, I, I'll just kick off at about a little after six and load up my bag. And um, sometimes drive, but usually just walk. You know, I live pretty much in the middle of the city, and um, you know, then I've got you know I've got two hours or an hour and a half of of really good light. Um, and I think that that's um, this has been kind of a boom time for me. You know, my, my friends have actually been making fun of me that like you know maybe try to hide how much you're thriving because you know you're like. <laughs> You're, you're producing so much work and like, you know, your, your website and all this. And I, um, you know, so I, I think, um, you know, I, I'm not without struggles on this, believe me, but, um, I, I have had a lot more time to shoot and I will, I will say that. Um, and then the other thing I will say is that I'm just getting really hungry to, uh, to go places and I've just gained a really big appreciation, uh, for the freedom that I had uh, prior to all this to go to cities. I love cities. Um, I grew up uh, about 45 minutes outside of New York city. New York will always be, you know, the place by which all of those are measured. And I, I love it. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I just, God, I just want to take the train up to New York and just spend like, just shoot rolls after roll of film up there, you know? And, um, so it'll all come to an end soon, you know, it's not going to last forever. So to round off, what we always make sure we do is we give everybody an idea of where they can go and find your work and follow you on social media, see your website and so on. So would you like to give us all of your linky details? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I would say, yeah, Instagram and my website are, are the places. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, but eh, I, I think Instagram's <laughs> a spot. Um, and it, that's uh, chromatic underscore crane, chromatic crane. Um, so C H R O M A T I C underscore C R A N E. And then my website is www.cranecollection.org. Um, and I update that really regularly. I, I try to make that a reflection of what's most current. Um, so yeah, please check either of those places. It's been such a privilege to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Chris, I really appreciate it. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And um, thank you for staying up late uh, to have a chat with this American. The blackbird inside your chest that caused on you to cry. You decided it was time for him to fly. Out of the darkness and into the light. Higher and higher, out of sight. Side.
Fly. 